Stephen Byrne on 2FM. Welcome back to the weekly roundup of everything that happened on the show this week. <laughs> in case you don't listen in, three o'clock every Saturday and Sunday, we talk to some of the biggest stars in the world in, in movies and music. And this week was no different. We spoke to literally a bona fide Hollywood legend, Richard E. Grant, Oscar nominee. He recently appeared in Loki on Disney Plus as classic Loki. And he stole the show in so many ways. If you saw it, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, as well as that, we spoke to the creator of The Purge. There's a brand new Purge movie out in cinemas at the moment called The Forever Purge. His name is James DeMonico. So we get into that twisted mind of his to find out if this is the final film in the franchise. Speaking of horror, we also spoke to some of the cast of Fear Street, which you can catch on Netflix now. It's kind of a TV show slash movie. It's a trilogy of movies that came out one week after the other. So it has the feel of a TV show, but they are full films. And they were meant to be released in cinema originally until they found their place on Netflix. And you can catch them all now. Olivia Welsh, Benjamin Flores Jr. and Kiana Madeira were on the show to talk all about it. As well as that, one of the most exciting people in music at the moment, Priya Raghu, the Tamil Swiss singer who has been the track of the week on the show multiple times at this stage. She has a brand new song out and we got to break it down with her and uh, find out what's to come over the coming months. Let's kick it off with this though. It's Richard E. Grant talking all about Loki. Richard, thank you so much for having a chat with us. Very much appreciated. Hi, Stephen. You look like you're in full summer clothes. Is it really hot in Ireland? (laughs) It's 20 degrees, which I think you would understand for us is literally like the tropics. So, (laughs) but even in winter, I live in blissful ignorance that uh, I live in an Arctic climate. I don't try to adhere to anything. Um, Congratulations on this. The whole series is just absolutely and utterly wowed me and floored me in every single way. I've been addicted so much so that I've been looking literally every single week. It's been shaped around Wednesday morning when I can watch it at nine o'clock. Wow. So uh, job well done. And your introduction into it was an absolute showpiece. So congratulations. How did it feel to, to join a cast like this? And I know you and Owen and, uh, and Tom got on like a house on fire. Yeah, we did. Well, as I can see, you were born with muscles. I have never had any. <laughs> So when I saw the, you know, I know, I know from the Jack Kirby drawings that, that, you know, classic Loki, he had, he had muscles. So I thought, finally, I'm going to have this, you know, this amazing suit. I'm going to step into this muscle land and have all this, you know, the classic um, V-shape, you know, shoulders like that and a tiny waist. And when the costume designer said, no, 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 you're, this, is, this is what you're wearing. I said, no, you've got to be kidding me. I can't, I can't. The people are going to laugh when they see me. And she said, no, 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 just go out like this. So um, that was something that I, I balked at because I thought I should have these. You know, I've got all that. I said, but you know, if I've, I'm in the right colors or the right costume and, and all of that, the, the headgear, why am I not given the muscles? And she said, no, 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 you're going to be fine about this. And Kate Heron, the director, seemed... They didn't seem worried at all about this. And I thought, well, this is a great missed opportunity for me. Um, because Tom Hiddleston is this walking, talking Wikipedia of all things Norse legend and uh, Loki-centric, it was, you know, you didn't have to go back to the comics or to, you know, Google anything because you just pressed a button and Tom had an answer for absolutely everything. He was extraordinary. He's extraordinary. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah, I've interviewed him a couple of times and, and well, you know, then you know to pick his brain. I know very well. You mentioned there the costume and I know you harken back to uh, your, your father and what he would have approved of, of wearing it uh, yeah. on your Instagram. Did you think about that? And were you thinking about him during, during putting it on and, and, and the performance? I certainly did because um, he died when he was 53 years old. So I lived him by 13 years already or whatever it is. And um, 
he did say to me, you know, do you, I mean, it's a slightly tongue in cheek, he said, do you really want to spend your life running around in tights and wearing makeup? And I said, Dad, you know, it's very few parts where I would have to be doing that. Well, needless to say, I'm 64 and I am now in probably the Kermit Green Loki tights of all time. So there's no getting away from that. He was, um, you know, but I've earned a good living from it. So it's worked it out. Wonderful. It was it was absolutely beautiful. And and when we talk about the the, the costume, I mean, pure fan service there in, in every regard. And I think when everybody saw it for the first time, if they knew the history of Loki, they were very much uh, delighted to see that for you. I'm going to ask you. Know, yeah, but when you, did you miss the fact? Did you miss the fact that I had no muscles? <laughs> I like how I say you. I was. You said I was born with these. I wish. You're, you're wearing stuff with like you know showing your shoulders. I couldn't do that. <laughs> um, when it comes to time travel, obviously it's a huge part of this show for you. If yeah. you could jump back to any film set that you've been on in in your entire career and and relive that moment once again, what what would it, would it be? Oh, it's, it's a recent one. Uh, when I walked onto the set of that huge spaceship uh, for Star Wars a couple of years ago, that was, you know, it was something that I had, I didn't even dare imagine that this could ever happen to me because when I was 20 years old as a uh, drama school student in 1977 and I saw Star Wars, I was, my head was so blown off by seeing this extraordinary creation of uh, Lucas that... I didn't really, because at that point, the, you know, there was no idea there, was, there were going to be sequels. So the fact that I got to be in the ninth and final one of that um, franchise was so, Rise of Skywalker, was so extraordinary that I still can't really believe that it happened. Because when you walk onto the set for the first time, you know, you press the button, the light comes on, the doors open like that, there are stormtroopers. So all of that was amazing. Whereas... In Loki, when, you know, I'm finally in my tights and the wind machines are blowing at me and I'm holding up this, you know, imaginary city, I didn't see anything. There were just wind machines and people shouting, saying, okay, the thing's coming at you now. It's coming from this direction. Watch this sort of tennis ball over here, which is a very different experience from what you actually apparently see in the series where, you know, the whole city comes up and stuff. I've seen stills of it. Well, I I do believe that I am holding up stuff. You, you are, and, and you, you're holding up a major part. Extraordinarily, because, Stephen, I have no muscles to hold it up. And I can say, <laughs> if I'm holding all this up, then Asgard's got to, he's not got much competition if I don't have the muscles to go with it. Richard, join me in the gym for a day. I'll get you sorted out. We'll be all good. <laughs> Another 15 years. Congratulations. Like I said, absolutely adored you appearing first you. off in that um, post credit scene. And then getting a full episode with you was just uh, an absolute pleasure. Um, sitting here as a fan with my time variant authority mug right here. So congratulations. Thank you, Stephen. That man is honestly one of the nicest people I've ever spoken to. I was going to say Met, but can you, can you say Met if it's on Zoom? I don't know. Uh, anyway, speaking of movie releases and TV show releases on streaming, I don't really know what to call this because it is a trilogy. It was three movies that were released one week after the other, so it has the feel of a TV show, but at the exact same time, they are bona fide movies in their own right. Fear Street, based on the books by Orel Stein, who of course you will know as the author of the Goosebumps books. We spoke to some of the stars, Kiana Madeira, Olivia Welsh, and Benjamin Flores Jr. Take a listen. 
It was uh, such an enjoyable experience. I mean, each time we weren't filming, we were like hanging out, getting something to eat together, watching yeah. a movie together. So the whole time we were filming, it was all like we were just growing as a family and yeah. uh, having a friendship and growing that connection. So it was awesome. And even when we were on set, we were doing like cool scenes. Like it was like, yeah. how could you not have fun? Yeah. Yeah. It was a blast. It was a blast. Yeah. It was so fun. And I feel like it was like such a like long where we were like we're in it guys like exactly. we're really gonna do this today <laughs> yep yeah Ooh, and it yeah. did like there were such serious moments and then such like such goofy funny moments <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. it was so fun yeah. it was so fun yeah and considering like the the content of the films like is it, it yeah. can be very dark so yeah. it's nice to have people around <laughs> to you alleviate you know? it just yeah. a little bit yeah exactly yeah. make it a little bit easier are you guys yeah. fans of horror in general is, is horror something that you love to dive into and uh if you were you know there on a friday night when you, when you're like no i know <laughs> i'm like, yes. like yes okay good, they always good. Tease me they're like you're the biggest <laughs> horror fan and I'm like it's true like these were a dream for me like when I got these I was like I have peaked I can retire this (laughs) is fantastic thank you so it's been a great being an actress for America and everyone else (laughs) and thank you so much um no I'm a huge horror fan yeah these were great yeah and I watched I feel like horror movies all the time so Mm -hmm. this was super fun um with something like this as well how incredible that you get to tell you know more than one story so how was that uh, experience you know swapping in between the different timelines and and, and working on a project that was going to be released like this which is absolutely mm-hmm. incredible mm-hmm. it's so interesting because like when you do a movie you usually do like one movie and then mm. that's it but with like in this case we would do one and then be like i can't wait for the next one that we're about to do because that one's about to be yeah. just as good so we would like always look forward to the next one too while we were filming one of them so yeah we always had something awesome to look forward to mm-hmm. I love too when we there was a point in time where we crossed over um and so we would do like there would be one day where we were like pilgrim outfits like oh, yeah, yeah. doing crazy things with animals and stuff and then it would be the next day we're like in a mall yep. <laughs> in like contemporary clothes like covered in blood you yes. know and it was really it was fun to like when we started to go back and forth it was really fun yeah because yeah. it was just every day was so different mm-hmm. mentioned there that you guys became you know very good friends obviously through the process of this um were there any pranks played on set was there anything kind of where people you know pranks, pranks Ashley, Ashley Zuckerman who plays Nick Good <laughs> He pranked us. So he got us so good. But they were like these long con mind pranks where he would be like, did (laughs) y'all get the email about the action figures? Like I got my email about the action figures. And then he would let it go on for days. And then he'd be like, prank. (laughs) I never got an email. (laughs) And he was so serious. Like he was like, he was so serious. We never knew if he was joking or not. (laughs) He would do that all the time. We would have to like go and ask our bosses. Like, is he kidding? Or is there actually an And he tried to get them in on it too. Yeah, like, he would no, tell the producers, like, I'm pulling a prank on the kids. Like, <laughs> yeah. just help me out on this. Um, in terms of, you know, the books, did you guys dive into them? Had you read them when you were younger? Was it something that, you know, even the Goosebumps ones or were you in that world yourselves? Yeah, I read the Goosebumps books. Yeah, yeah. When I was in uh, elementary school. Those mm-hmm. are the ones I went to for sure. Yeah. Yep. Book day, yeah. straight to the Goosebumps, Goosebumps books. Goosebumps, yep. Yeah, I read a lot of Goosebumps. I have a lot of Pierce books now. Oh, nice. Just the people have like given me for yeah. Christmas and things like that. <laughs> yeah. But I need to read them. I know. They were for a little bit of a more mature audience, I think, than when we were yeah. younger. Yeah. Um, that's what I've been told. And based <laughs> off of these films, for sure, I feel like. Yeah, for yeah. sure. It's I a think. reflection of that. They're really uh, crazy. 
Yeah, but I definitely am going to read some Geo Street books for sure. Yeah, I've got so there. many. Yeah, I've got some doubles I can give you. One. Yes. Yeah, we can share. Um, yeah, we can share. Congratulations, guys. This was absolutely incredible. And uh, I, as a big horror fan, it was just so much fun to see it all come together and also have multiple worlds to dive into. So congratulations. Thank, Thank you. you so Thank much. You. Now, she is honestly one of the most exciting acts in music at the moment. Her name is Priya Ragu. We've had her as track of the weekend multiple times across uh, the last few months because I just absolutely adore her and I think she's going to be absolutely huge as well. Music with a little bit of a twist and her own heritage in there too. She is from Switzerland. Her songs Chicken, Lemon, Rice, Good Love, Forgot About, absolute tunes. Go check them out if you haven't already. But her brand new song, Kamali uses, as she always has, uh, that uplifting R&B sound, along with mixing in some sounds from her own Tamil Swiss background. She's just honestly one of the nicest persons, uh, nicest people I've spoken to uh, lately, and also at the same time, like I said, one of the most exciting as well. Well, at home we would listen to Tamil music, um, especially Hollywood songs, um, and. We had like on weekends, we had jam sessions with the family and my brother, Jeff Gold, he would play the keys. He would memorize all the interludes of the songs and my father would play the tabla and all the uncles and aunties from, from the town, they would come on weekends and jam with us. And um, at that time I didn't really sing. I was just like observing everything mm. and I knew who was in key who was not, you know, later on when I was around 10 years old, I discovered like Lauren Hill, um, India Ree, Alicia Keys, and, and then I started to um, write down the lyrics, even though I didn't speak the, um, the language. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I would record myself. And yeah, it's just like Lauren's voice. It just, I just connected instantly. It just spoke mm-hmm. to my soul. And... And that's when I really enjoyed singing, you know? All right, The Purge is one of the biggest horror, you could say horror, I would say terror, (laughs) uh, series in the world. There's been a number of movies at this stage, directed by a a number of different people as well. But James DeMonico is the creator and screenwriter of the brand new one and also the whole franchise in general. I got to talk to him all about bringing it to the screen for the final time. Here's how it went. Man, when you're writing these things, is there anything that ever comes into your brain that you're like, uh, that's a bit too far? Oh yeah, oh dude, yes, yes. That's why I have my uh, my main producer, uh, Jason and Sebastian. Sebastian Lemercier, is my, he's on set with me every day. Well, when I was directing him, but he's my producing partner. He checks me on every script. He sees it first and he's like, cut this scene. We can never, this is unfilmable. This is rated triple X out. Like, oh so yes. We go way too far and then we, we draw it back and we go back and forth to it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. As, as, as the godfather of this world, what is it do you think that, you know, people just attach to so much um, within it? What do you think people love so much about it? Hope, uh, I, listen, for me, it's the scariest conceit. You know, it's this idea of legal mm. murder. So I hope that, or I think, I think it's that. I think it's that. But then I think there's a, I think there's another thing people wrestle with is what would they do on the purge? I think there is yeah, a that's mine. Yeah, I think it's like, would I partake? Would I hide? Would I hunt? Would I go to Canada? 
what would I do on this night? What part, what kind of human being am I? Would I solve a problem by committing an act of violence? So I think there's this question people always ask themselves. I don't know if they'll ever give the truthful answer to it, but I think <laughs> the movie closes that. I don't point. think. I don't think they they would unless we actually no. do it. So let's do right, it. Exactly. <laughs> let's hope now we don't get there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> in Ireland, I think we'd just be apologizing for everything. We just apologize for everything. So I think we'd be like, "Oh, sorry, apologies. sorry about that." Oh, <laughs> exactly. Ah. We're very civil. Um, I always said there'd be civil society when the purge exists. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> um, you know, you've never been afraid to tackle racism, um, class inequality, uh, politics, obviously with elections as well. Um, so, why do you think horror and terror, more so even in this, is is such a good vehicle for that? I think the I think you know I think about this a lot too. But I grew up with um, John Carpenter films, Romero films, and uh, even the stuff in the film. You know, Scorsese once said this thing he called uh, smuggler's cinema. It was he was referring to the 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 studio directors of the '40s and '50s were forced to mm. do westerns and army films. They didn't want to do it, but they were on contract, so they had to. So they smuggled their own ideas into it, and it became a good vehicle to smuggle those ideas because the audiences, according to Scorsese's theory, the audiences felt the idea, felt the political idea, but they weren't being preached to because they were being entertained first and foremost with a genre pick. So I think the genre pick became a good vessel because the audience feels the metaphor, they feel the thematic, they feel the whatever that political message you're kind of sneaking in there, they feel it, but they don't feel like we're bashing them on the head because first and foremost, they're enjoying a genre movie. And I think Carpenter did this really well. Romero did it with the Dawn of the Dead series, but I think, uh, so I think that's why the vehicle's good. I don't think people want to be smashed in the face with like me proselytizing about my political, you know, feelings on the current administration. I don't think they want that. It's there for them to find. If they just want to watch a genre movie, they could do that too, though. That's there too. So that's my theory. I could be completely wrong. <laughs> <laughs> well, you are the godfather, like I said. Um, you mentioned it there. Um, you know, the question that, that, that beckons in everybody's mind when when one of these movies comes out is, oh, what would I do? So yeah. what what would you do? What would I do, dude? I'd hide, man. I'm the, I'm the wimpiest. I'd be out. I'd be like, I don't like guns. I don't like knives. So I, I first of all, I'd probably be in Canada. I'd just go. Like, I'm getting out of here. And then, uh, so yeah, no, I'm hiding. I'm not hunting. I'm not purging. Um, I have a lot of Catholic guilt, too, so I couldn't even go down that path. So I'd just be... Uh, um, yeah, I'd be I'm a hider. I'd be locked up somewhere. Um, you know, you've, you've enjoyed yourself in this world for so long and, you know, across um, both mediums as well. How far do you think this can go? Are you, are you, I mean, you must just have so many ideas or is it a case of, you know, movie to movie, let's just see what we can do and, and, and where we can bring this? That's a great question, dude. It, you know, there are a lot of ideas, but I think the big idea for each movie I don't have until, like, I thought five was the end, to be quite honest, right? And then three months mm -hmm. ago, I woke up with a new idea on how I think I could flip it upside down and make it, a, you know, keep it fresh. Inside that, you don't want to repeat yourself, obviously. So I think if they keep coming, we'll just keep exploring them. And then the TV show allowed us to explore some places that the film world can't go just because of real estate and time. Um, mm -hmm. So that was kind of fun, too. But yeah, I think if the, I don't know where they come from, but they, the ideas keep coming. So now we think there might be a six, so which is crazy because we thought five was going to be it. So. If people want it, we're ready to give it to them. So we'll let's see. Go for, let, let's go for seven, eight, and nine as well. Yeah, dude, why not? Uh, yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Thank you so much. Congratulations <laughs> you, again. Nice meeting you, dude. Stephen Burns on 2FM.